Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I knew Rudy Giuliani before he went crazy. I mean, I, I started in the U.S. Attorney's Office in 1982 in Milwaukee. Rudy Giuliani was the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York from like 83 until 89. And I had an opportunity to meet him during that period of time at a couple conferences and stuff. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's reputation was always that he was a bit of a grandstander and that he would take credit for something that other people did. You know, you have your assistant U.S. attorneys that work up the cases, and then Rudy would be the one that showed up to kind of take credit for that when they denounced the indictments and all. But that, that's okay. That kind of comes with the territory. And there, there's no question. I had a lot of respect for him. I thought he was a very, very aggressive prosecutor, and I thought he did a really, really good job once he became the mayor of New York. Something has happened over the last 25 years. He's just completely and totally gone off the deep end, lost his mind, you you name it. All right, so yesterday we were talking about the concept of election fraud. And during the program, I was getting a number of texts from people who were saying, Jeff, you just don't understand. You have become a rhino, a Republican in name only. Don't you realize this election was stolen? It's being stolen in plain sight. We need to rally the troops to say, look, we, we've got to go on. We've got to intervene. We have to stop Joe Biden from becoming the president of the United States. And, of course, my, my comment is always, all right, I don't care whether you're happy or unhappy at the result of the election. If you're going to throw around terms like broad spread widespread fraud involving an election, you, you better have some evidence to back this up. So I got a number of texts from people saying, all right, you, you got to understand, there's this press conference that's going on right now, and it's Rudy Giuliani, and it's Sidney Powell, the, the lady, and they're, they're laying out all this stuff, and, and you can't... You can't watch this press conference and not realize that this election was stolen through this systematic effort to try to defraud Donald Trump. You, you just you look at that and you, you will come around. So after the show, because at least a handful of you had suggested I do this, I, I gave up about an hour of my life. And I went back and I watched not the whole press conference, but I watched a good portion of that press conference that people were telling me would have all the evidence that I could possibly want of fraud. And I watched it, and I watched it, and I, my, my big takeaway was that these people are absolutely crazy, and, and there's no other way to describe it. I, I sent out a, uh, a tweet about this, and you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 the, the Washington Post has this story, and it's, the headline is, Fact-Checking the Craziest News Conference of the Trump Presidency. And it, it, it breaks down some of the outlandish, wacky, wild sort of stuff that Giuliani and the Sidney Powell were saying. Stuff without any evidence at all calling into question, oh, we this was stolen 
or we know this and we have all this evidence, but we can't come forward and release all these things. It was just one nutsy cuckoo thing after another. And I'm watching this press conference going at, at some point in time. It's not about being a Republican. It's not about being a Democrat. It's not about being happy with the election or it's not about being unhappy with the election result. It's about, my gosh, there are people that are out there that seriously, seriously want to peddle this notion that the election was systematically stolen in multiple states and they're doing it without any sort of evidence at all. All right. Our, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to have a serious conversation about this. What is the end game here? Now, it's been two and a half weeks since the election. States are certifying the results. I know in Wisconsin we're, we're starting recounts in Milwaukee and in Dane County. And I, from what I'm told, that Republican observers are going to uh, object to all these different absentee ballots. But at the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, all the different court challenges that have been raised so far have gone nowhere. The, the stuff that I'm hearing out of some of these press conferences doesn't seem to me it's not it hasn't gotten any traction over two and a half weeks i doubt it's going to get any traction moving forward my question is a serious one what is what is the end game do you seriously believe that courts in a half dozen states are going to step in and invalidate the election results and switch states' votes, whether it's Wisconsin or Arizona or Nevada or Michigan or Pennsylvania or Georgia, to say that Donald Trump really won the presidency and that he's going to be entitled to a second term. I mean, what what is the end game here? And I, and I say that seriously. Do you really believe that at some point in time, all these different kind of just sort of wild claims are, are going to gain traction and that, that Joe Biden isn't going to be the next president. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, and I, I understand that it's, I think, completely and totally fair to have a discussion about, you know, the, the way we conduct elections and all these different states that have these different rules, and is there a way that we can do it better? But that's a far cry from being and believing that there was this systematic effort to steal millions and millions of votes. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. President Trump ran a great race. I, I, I think he outperformed expectations. As I have said before, if it wasn't for COVID-19, I think he would have been reelected in a landslide. But unfortunately... He had COVID-19, and he wasn't able to overcome those headwinds. At this point in time, I think the president would do a huge service to the country to simply say the people have spoken, it is time to move on. And pursuing all these sort of wacky conspiracy theories and trying to convince millions of people that the election system in this country is not legitimate, I think that is a very, very dangerous thing to do, especially when there's absolutely no significant evidence to show it other than Rudy Giuliani, who reminds me of that crazy uncle that so many people have that sits at the end of the Thanksgiving Day table and just starts talking to him. 
himself, hoping somebody's going to listen. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if that makes me a rhino or Republican in name only, so be it. But at some point in time, you got to start talking about what's good for the country. And pursuing crackpot theory after crackpot theory is not good for the country. We discuss in a moment. Jeff, the fact that you yourself won't wait until the lawsuits are complete and the certifications are final, yet want to argue the merit, is why people want to debate. It's not about whether it's crazy or not. It's whether judges can be convinced to look into it. No, look, here's the deal. If you've got legitimate evidence of fraud or something like that, that, that's fine. But that's not what's going on now. You, You have... I watched that press conference yesterday. Did you watch it? That Sydney Powell, she's out there saying, I'm, this is a quotation, what we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is a massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China, and the interference with our elections here in the United States. And then she goes on to talk about an algorithm manipulated by Democrats that switched votes that would have involved millions of votes being switched and there's no evidence at all of this i'm just saying that if 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 you believe something was stolen you've got to have some evidence to that and one lawsuit after another has ended up being dismissed because there's just no basis for it plus i just don't believe it is good for democracy to go around and, and try to convince millions of people that the election was a fraud especially when you have no evidence of that. Tim in Luxembourg. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good morning, or good afternoon. Hi, um, Hi Tim. What do you my, think? My comment is I, I don't think President Trump is ever going to say I lost this election, ever. Even if everything comes back the same way, he's, he's not. He, he, in four years, all he's done is blame the Democrats for everything. And... He's not going to change. I think it's going to well, hurt us a little bit, but I think eventually he's just going to have to leave. Well, I it's, it was, I mean, thanks for calling. At some point in time, you, you would think that that – see, that's what I, I'm, I'm asking him seriously about the end game. Are, are people that are watching this, do people really think – that you're going to have courts in multiple states that are going to say, okay, you know, we're, we're going to reverse, we're going to throw out that the hundred plus, hundred and fifty thousand plus margin of votes in in Michigan. Do people really think that? All right, we're going to strike down all these legitimately cast absentee ballots in Wisconsin. And I guess I, I, I address this to Republicans. I think this is bad moving forward. At some point in time. You've got to recognize that, that President Trump had a great run, but it's done. It's, it's done. And this idea that we're going to try to manipulate the courts and disenfranchise voters and throw out otherwise legitimate ballots and pursue down rabbit holes some of these crazy nutcase theories, it's just it's going to hurt the Republican Party moving forward. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Matt in Burlington. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, my theories are, I'm looking at my emails, I'm not a Trump supporter, but all I see is requests for money, money, money. So I think he's grifting yeah. his base. And the other, the second thing that I think is going on is I think he's setting himself up for some type of a post-presidency TV network. I, I don't know what exactly, but it has nothing to do with retaining the presidency. And 
and some of the Ukraine hit on, there's no really good lawyers hanging around there. Right now we've got Rudy Giuliani, who was, was heyday is done. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, I, well, right, right, and you're you're just throwing out all this stuff, and it's, and, and unfortunately, one of the things with with the internet now is you have people that want to believe things, so you go down the, these rabbit holes, and it's this thing that's thrown out on the internet, and then people just grasp onto that, despite the fact that it's been re- rejected. I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting all these texts now about the Dominion voting machines, and oh, the, these were they they were they were changed, and there were all these alterations, and whenever people send me that, I send them an article that the Wall Street Journal of all places did just saying there's no problem with the Dominion voting machine, you know, but 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 then then you say that then it's something else and then it's something else. You feel like the the little boy trying to plug the the holes in the dike because every time you disprove some crackpot theory, they come up with some other crackpot theory. And the bottom line is the president ran a great race, but he lost the election, and we need to move on. You win some, you lose some. Well, thanks for the call. Absolutely, you you right, and and I think you know at some point in time. I mean, here's the bottom line: if if you want to talk about the the big picture, Donald Trump lost the election. I'm sorry, some people don't want to hear it. Maybe you think that it was stolen from him. You know, maybe you don't like the media. Maybe you suspect the fact that gee, the, isn't it funny that the COVID nineteen vaccine starts to get um, rolled out two days after the election? Okay, I, I understand all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't change the. Fact fact that the people have spoken and they have chosen Joe Biden just like four years ago they chose Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton that's just kind of the reality but here's the deal moving forward that people start need to start thinking about particularly conservatives all right there's there's a battle going on in Georgia right now early January there's going to be those two Senate seats that are up for grabs and the Republicans need to at least win one of those two to make sure that uh, the Senate control doesn't swing over to to the democrats all right well the longer you spend this time chasing all these kind of crazy crackpot theories i think the more you risk turning off middle of the road voters who might otherwise be inclined to vote republican but they just don't want to be part of a group that that's again pushing a lot of the crackpot theories that are there freddie and greenfield freddie you're on wtmj good afternoon yeah thanks jeff hey listen this whole thing is, is, a, is a game plan that the Republicans are pulling right now, and it's called a delaying tactic. Okay? You follow me? And what they want to do is they want to delay until Inauguration Day, accepting that they lost the election for, this, for the sole purpose to see how much havoc and how much uh, harm... Mm-hmm that they can inflict because it's going to take Biden years in order to dig himself out of this hole that the Republicans are putting him in right now. Well, and I guess, and to, I mean, thanks for, and, and, well, thank, thanks for calling, Freddie. And I guess my question is, to what end? See, that's, what, what is the end game here? I mean, is there anybody out there who seriously, at this point in time, seriously believes that you are going to, can you imagine what that would do to this country? If, if all of a sudden you had courts in, in multiple states that decided to throw out hundreds of thousands of ballots based on technicalities, you I mean, you want to talk about an outright civil war. Um, you, you want to talk about arguments about maybe are, are we becoming, you know, like a third world country where you, you essentially have a coup. That's the type of thing that, that, that's out there. I, again, I think at some point in time, if you want to raise 
questions about, you know, do we need to have more standardization with elections? I think that's a very, very real thing. The idea that in one state the ballots have to be, the absentee ballots have to be in by eight o'clock at night on election day, and you have another other states there's. You, know, you can turn them in for a week. But those are all things that make absolutely no sense to me. And you would like to see us get together and figure out some way to standardize the election process. But you, you can't do that, or at least in my opinion, you shouldn't do it in the context of, oh, gee, this was not a legitimate election. And by the way, I understand that there were people during the first couple years of President Trump's administration, who he's not a legitimate president. This was this was just stolen. It was Russia, Russia, Russia. I think that attitude did a huge disservice to the country because I think it it stopped President Trump from being able to get off to a running start. And I criticize that. I'm criticizing what's going on now because, like I say, if if at some point in time you've got evidence of widespread fraud involving hundreds of thousands of votes in multiple states, it's way past the time to put up or shut up. And the reason they're not putting up is because they don't have that evidence. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. I sent out a link to this on, on Twitter, and if you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 there, There's an opinion piece by Peggy Noonan, who I, um, I don't always agree with everything she says, but I, I think she, she makes a lot of sense. And she has a good piece in the Wall Street Journal today, which kind of summarizes sort of how I feel about this. Um, headline is, let me share a portion of it with you. A bogus dispute is doing real damage. Conspiracy theories are damaging the country today and will hurt Republicans tomorrow. And that second part is very, very important. All right, here's how she starts the piece. No hard evidence of widespread fraud, no success in the courts, no prospect of it. You can have a theory that a bad thing was done, but only facts will establish it. You need to do more than what Rudy Giuliani did at his news conference Thursday, which was to throw out huge, barely comprehensible allegations and call people crooks. You need to do more than Sidney Powell, who at the same news conference charged that the communist money is behind an international conspiracy to rig the U.S. election. There was drama, hyperbole, perhaps madness, but the wilder the charges, the more insubstantial the case appeared. More than two weeks after the election, it's clear where this is going. The winner will be certified and acknowledged. Joe Biden will be inaugurated. But it's right to worry about the damage being done on the journey. And and this is, I think, the larger point that people need to think about. Noonan continues. It's one thing when supporters of the president say simply, let's go through the process and see where we are. It's not bad to look into how messy the voting system is, not the worst to realize it needs long-term remedial attention. How did we devolve into a nation that no longer has an election night, but now has an election month? But, Noonan writes, the sheer nuttiness surrounding the current mess is becoming deeply destructive. Online, you see the websites read by millions saying the entire election system is shot through with criminality. The headlines read, it was stolen. We have proof of coordinated vote tampering. The president has many avenues to victory. The Trump campaign sent an email under the name of formerly respectable Republican Newt Gingrich, once the Speaker of the House, saying, the corruption is unprecedented. It's time for us to get mad. We can't roll over. Please contribute $45 right now to the official election. Election Defense Fund. 
Noonan writes, this isn't a game. America isn't your plaything. Doesn't Mr. Gingrich realize how dangerous it is to stoke people like this, to rev them up on the idea that holding even the slightest faith in the system is for suckers? Trump's staff and supporters should know at this point that in trying to change the outcome, they are doing harm undercutting respect in and hope for democracy. Republican senators and representatives, in their silence, are allowing the idea to take hold that the whole system is rigged. This lessens faith in institutions and in their party's reputation. Republicans were once protective of who we are and what we created in this democratic republic long ago. Now they're not even protecting themselves. In future years, what's happening now will give their voters an excuse not to take part or show up. What's the point? It's all rigged. And they're accepting a new post-election precedent that national results won't be accepted until all states are certified and all legal options, even the most bizarre and absurd, exhausted. Wait until this is used against you in 2024 or 2028. You won't like it. And then the piece goes on. Again, I have a link to it. But to me, it summarizes exactly why what's going on is so bad for for the country right now. If you want to have a discussion, I think it's a fair discussion, like I say, of, you know, can we, are there things we can do to improve the electoral process? I, I think that that's fair. But this idea that, oh my gosh, you know, this, this was stolen and widespread fraud and all these things, it's just flat out not good for the country. And, and it's not. And it's, it's ultimately a fool's game because it's not going to change anything at the end of the day. So then the question becomes, what is the end game? You know, and, and we, we talked about that in the first half hour of the program. If anybody seriously thinks it is going to change the outcome of the election and stop Joe Biden from being inaugurated in January, I'm sorry, but you're, you're in for just a ton of disappointment. So then the question becomes, is there some larger scheme or larger plan that, that's out there? And that has to do with, well, the, the guy who is going to be leaving the White House in January, which is Donald Trump. Three stories in the last 24 hours. Trump seriously considering a 2024 bid for president. That's on the CBS News. Um, Newsweek, Republican signal Trump is here to stay as he molds a 2024 presidential run. Quote, he will be the nominee. And then I'm looking at a third story, this one from Politico. Four more years, Trump freezes 2024 presidential field. The president's flirtation with another run is always cre- already creating problems for Republicans preparing for 2024. Okay, let us tee this up. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Work with me on this one. Assume for the sake of argument that President Trump is going to be out of office in January. I understand some of you might not want to accept that, but let's assume that that is in fact the case. Do you want to see him run again for president in 2024? He would be 78 years old. Do you want to see the next four years essentially be about Trump as the face of the Republican Party? Or is it time to move on? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this, for for the good of the conservative movement, I, I think... President Trump would do everybody a service by simply saying, you know, I'm going to work on my golf game. I'm going to explore the idea of maybe a Trump TV network. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do all those different types of things. But 
Trump 2024 should scare a lot of people. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do you see this going? We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, one of the theories that's out there is that, that President Trump is pursuing all these, and I understand some people don't like me to use the term crazy, but I'm telling you, you watch that press conference with Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell yesterday, the things they're throwing around, these are crazy. Just they're, they're crazy sort of ideas that are out there. And it doesn't mean you're crazy if you're a Trump supporter, but it means if you just want to believe some of the, the crazy stuff that's out there on the Internet, you got to be careful with this. But one of the theories is that President Trump is really trying to position himself for another run for president in 2024. He's using this as a way to raise money and all those different types of things. I I think Trump 2024 would not be good for the Republican Party and wouldn't be good for the country. Let's start with Pat in Brookfield. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, I I completely agree with you. I'm a rock-ribbed Waukesha County Republican. I wasn't necessarily a Donald J. Trump guy right away, but I, I grew to really like what he did, despite of some of the things he said. After the election, I was as disappointed as anybody. I thought, you know, he was going to win it at about 1030 at night, and then by 2 a.m., I kind of saw how things were going. Now, I think the Republican Party, if we play our cards right, right now, we are, we, there's more strength, a broader base, than what we've ever had. We've turned blue dog Democrats, and this is thanks to Donald Trump, into Republicans. You know, 8 to 12 percent of the black vote doesn't seem like much, but it's a lot. And if we continue to build on that, that would be huge. We're we're, we're stronger now with Latinos than we were ever before, despite the mainstream media and the left saying that Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's the most racist guy ever. If we play our cards right, here is my fear. (sighs) Donald Trump is now going to want to run in 2024. We're going to have a big part of our coalition which to his credit that they're republicans but they're also donald trump voters and my fear is if he runs again and he doesn't win the primary for whatever reason a lot of those voters stay home he's got every right to run in the primary but also if he does win which he might be likely to do i don't see what changes you know between this result and four years from now in fact he's going to be four years older i just yeah it, it, I'm just I, no, scared right I, now that we're going to take all of the victory and throw it away. I think, thanks for calling. I, I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, and you can argue that President Trump was treated unfairly, but let's face it, he, he is a lightning rod. How is that going to change? How is that going to mellow with time? Plus, you look at all the other, you know, really, really good bench that the Republicans have, the Nikki Haley's of the world, and the Marco Rubio's, and, and all these people. What, what, are you supposed to put that all on hold for, for another four years while President Trump tries to make the Republican Party uh, about him? I, I think it, at some point in time, you know, people have a shelf life. And if, if part of this, let's fight this election uh, because we, we want to try to use this as a launching point for four years from now, I don't think that's going to be good for the country, and I don't think it's good for the Republican Party. Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Jeff, this is one time I'm on the exact same page as you are, and here's why. Newt Gingrich, many years ago, wrote in his manifesto that we are no longer friends of the 
the opposing party were going to war. They took it too serious. The wheels came off the bus. When Trump was nominated, I was trying to have people do everything, not even to get him in that position. And what happened, I am not shocked, is that Trump leaves a, a trail anywhere he goes. The Republican Party I used to be a member of was a very respectable party, and it can be in the future. We had many Republicans taking a backbone against Trump. Those are my kind of Republicans. And hopefully, as you kind of say, uh, we'll move on, and the Republican Party the next time around might could be a lot better. Thank you. Oh, no, th- thanks. No, thanks for calling. Well, see, this is, I mean, and, and this is, look, this is the challenge for Republican leaders moving forward, the, the, the next generation, whoever that might be. It's figuring out ways to keep the, the Trump coalition together, but at the same time, expand the base of the party. Like our first caller was talking about, you know, re- reaching out to, you know, um, persons of color, reaching out to minority groups, uh, making, continuing to make those inroads because of the whole idea of ideas. And I, I think the problem is President Trump, it's always just going to be about him. Now, look, I, I think at the end of the day, I think he does not run again. That That's kind of my prediction. And I, it might take a while to get to that particular point. But my guess is that once President Trump leaves office, now, is he going to want attention? Of course. And I would not be surprised to see him uh, take over some role in connection with something in the media, maybe not at Fox News, but maybe, you know, it's something else, Newsmax or whatever. I'm not suggesting that I think President Trump is going to go lightly, you know, into the good night. And my guess is there's still going to be a whole bunch of Make America Great rallies and things like that. But it's it's not going to have, I don't believe, the same impact that we've we've had already. Um, so we'll see. Let's go to a couple texts here. Um, Jeff, um, first, Jeff, first they need to calm the base um, down. Uh, Jeff, you know, you waste time chasing a rumor about Trump 2024, but you ignore real affidavits sworn by real Americans. And again, these are, I understand that there's some people who are just kind of clinging on to the, this whole thing was stolen. Um, you know, good luck with, uh, you know, good luck with that. Jeff, uh, let's see. WTMJ, you are history. You've moved too far for the left. Um, <laughs> too far to the left. Okay, so you just kind of want to say the election wasn't stolen. That means that you're hopelessly to the left. Well, okay, again, we, we can all have our own alternate realities, but I, I'm choosing to live in kind of like the real world that's out there. And, and I think hopefully once we get through the next few weeks, orderly transition of power, contested election in Georgia, and then we see where we go for the next couple years. And then maybe a whole new group of people. Wouldn't it be interesting? I said, well, Joe Biden turning 78. Wouldn't it be interesting just for for a change to have people who are running for president who, you know, might not be might not be pushing 80 years old? I mean, isn't that you know, where is the next generation of, of leaders and who are they going to come? Who are where are they going to come from? Be interesting to see all that as well. OK, we'll take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
And this is Jeff Wagner. Melissa Barkley and WTMJ are teaming up with the Hunger Task Force to help make a difference for families in need this holiday season. We're also going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Your favorite WTMJ shows competing to see who can help donate the most Thanksgiving turkeys to families in need. It's WTMJ Cares. Pass the turkey. Go to our website, WTMJ.com, to donate. Don't forget to pick your favorite WTMJ show. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. Your generosity has been absolutely overwhelming. Matter of fact, I got a note from uh, actually somebody in our news department today who said somebody called up early on. Somebody I, um, my, my old friend Mike, who um, I know from law enforcement days. So we go back, this goes back to the 1980s, and he called up and said uh, part of a group that he's with, they're collecting and they're going to be donating 150 turkeys to the, the to the show, or $1,500 uh, worth of turkeys to the, the show, and you know, they're going to be dropping off the check with the hunger task force on on monday so that's that that's the great thing 1500 bucks not 150 turkeys but um you know 1500 bucks um and that that's the thing and it's just been amazing your generosity as we as we we try to again make sure that the thanksgiving holiday is is a little bit brighter for people who might be less fortunate this year so i very much appreciate that and i think i speak for all the hosts here at wtmj when i say how much we do appreciate everybody who has stepped up in such a big way over the course of this particular promotion and it's been it's just been a lot of fun all right when we come back um, after the news lots of stuff coming up in the next hour of the program soon fox sports wisconsin is going to be no more Fox Sports Wisconsin is going to be renamed after the the company, the parent company that owned Fox Sports Wisconsin has sold naming rights. Okay, now that normally wouldn't be that big a deal, but who they sold the naming rights to and what it may mean for all of us who watch sports in Wisconsin, we're going to talk a little bit about that, including the overall question of, is it time for Wisconsin to start following a trend that a lot of other states are, which means allowing people to bet over the Internet on different sporting events? That's a possibility. We're going to discuss it. There's some new technology out there that, candidly, it's one of these stories that, honestly, um, it's do as I say, not as I do, because if they had this technology when I was 16 years old, driving around with my parents, with my friends, um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been happy with it. But, OK, I'm not 16 years old anymore. It's technology that I think a lot of parents would take advantage of. We're going to talk about that. And we go where angels fear to tread. Let's talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. All that and a lot more coming up. The Wagner Show resumes after the news. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, but can you bet on it? Here's one of the interesting things that the legislature in Wisconsin is going to have to deal with over the course of the next year or so. Now let me kind of back into this. Um, Fox Sports, and for example, if you watch the the Brewers or the Bucks around here, it's Fox Sports Wisconsin. Well, the, the whole Fox Sports brand is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. I think they own Channel 6, too, I think. And what happened this week is that uh, Sinclair Broadcasting cut a deal with casino operator 
Bally's Corporation. You know, if you've been to Las Vegas, you've seen Bally's, and it gets a little bit complicated. But, you know, Bally's, big gambling enterprise. Anyhow, um, Sinclair Broadcasting cut a deal this week with Bally's Corporation in which Fox Sports Wisconsin and most of their other 20 regional sports network, Fox St. Louis or whatever, they're all going to be renamed. And so instead of Fox Sports Wisconsin, it's most likely going to be Bally Sports. And it's unclear whether they're going to be uh, targeted by markets. So, I mean, they don't know yet if it's going to be Bally Sports Wisconsin or, or not. But it's going to be Bally Sports. So that's going on. But it's really not just about the name change. What's happening is one of the big trends nowadays is is legalized gambling. And, for example, one of the reasons Bally's wants the different sports platforms isn't just the promotional value of, of having that. So, you know, every time you turn on a ball game, you're, you're tuning into to Bally's Sports Channel. But Bally's Sports is, is big into interactive wagering. And in a number of states, including Midwestern states like Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa, um, you, in, sports betting is legal. And it's entirely possible that I think what you're going to see moving forward, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be this year or not, but moving forward, you know, when you turn on, I don't know, the the, the ball game in Chicago or in St. Louis, um, you, you will be able to actually, through those platforms, you will be able to bet on the games. Because that's been the trend. Of course, it used to be that you could only bet on sports um, if you were in Las Vegas and, I guess, in, in New Jersey. I think that was the one that's had it. But now more and more states are recognizing that there's money to be made here, and so they're, they're opening this up. And that's why Bally's wants in. So in Wisconsin, as it stands now, um, sports betting is not legal. Like I say, it's legal in Illinois, it's legal in Indiana, it's legal in Iowa, it's legal in many, many other places, but it's not legal yet in Wisconsin. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. State government looking for revenue. Gambling is... Certainly a way you can generate revenue that the states that have done it have found that that they've had surges in the amount of of taxes that they've been able to recover. You legislate it, you legalize it, and you tax it. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time for Wisconsin to take the plunge and allow legal sports betting like so many other states already have. Now, I'll give you my take on this to start off with. If we were having this conversation 20 years ago, I might have had a different position on this. Maybe. Might have had a different position 20 years ago. But here's the bottom line. Um, Sports betting and and gambling over the Internet, it it is with us. I mean, that's just the reality of what's going on now. And if you can do it in Illinois, you can do it in Indiana, you can do it in Iowa, and you can do it surreptitiously on the Internet now from Wisconsin. My point would be, look, it's time to just say we're going to do this, we're going to regulate it, we're going to tax it, and if people want to place bets on ball games, we're going to let them do it. 855-616-1620. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we allow sports betting in Wisconsin like so many of our neighboring states do? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, at some point in time, you're going to notice a, a name change. Uh, Fox Sports, like, for example, Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is one of about 20 regional sports outlets across the country. It's owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. They just sold the naming rights to Fox Sports to um, Bally's Corporation, which is the, the gambling corporation. And one of the reasons that Bally's wants this is because Bally's, I think, wants to use their, their ability to cover the games, etc., to offer interactive wagering. And in a number of states, including Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa, um, you, you can on sports sports betting is in fact legal it's not legal in wisconsin as of yet our number 855-616-1620 as i was saying a couple minutes ago if we would have had this conversation 20 years ago i might have taken a different position but but here is here is the bottom line with the explosion of the internet that's out there the availability to do this and the fact that more and more states are recognizing that their citizens want to engage in sports betting i think it is silly that Wisconsin isn't going, you know, jumping on this bandwagon. And I think they're leaving a, a lot of money that's on the table. Nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and say that you have to place a bet on the Packers if you, want to, if you don't want to. But the truth of the matter is people do that. They do it now on a regular sort of basis. And if you can now drive down to Illinois and place that bet, why in the world shouldn't you be able to do it in Wisconsin? Um, Jeff. About time. I would love it to protect players. I'd suggest not being able to gamble on Wisconsin teams and games. Uh, Jeff, Wisconsin has always been one of the last states to react to something like this. They're going to be one of the last states to react on the marijuana issue, and they're going to be one of the last states to react on the sports gambling issue. Jeff, don't use my name. I wager locally every weekend on the NFL. I'd like to be able to do it legally. Jeff, Wisconsin is always slow to get with the times. This is the same as legal marijuana. Yeah, I think you're starting to see that again. Because the truth of the matter is, people who follow these games um, like to bet on them. At least some people like to, to bet on them. And at some point in time, I think we need to recognize that the gambling genie is, is out, of, out of the bottle. And I guess the point that I've always believed is that if we say in this state that you can go down to uh, a Native American casino and you can play blackjack or you can play craps or you can bet on, on horse racing or you can play video poker machines or you can play slot machines, if we're going to say that you can now do that, it doesn't make any sense to me to say that we're also not going to allow you to, again, bet on the through the Internet and bet on professional sports, um, bet on horse racing, all those different types of things. The majority of states are now opening us up to this. It's because I think people want to be able to do it. And candidly, I, I think this is a way that Wisconsin could get some revenue and you could get revenue because, again, it's a voluntary sort of thing. Is there always a concern about, gee, it's going to feed into some people who might have gambling problems? Yeah, that's a legitimate concern. But, again, 
as I was just saying, the genie is already out of the bottle on that. So if you've got somebody who's a problem gambler, does it become does it make it worse because you can now bet on sports um, legally in Wisconsin? Does that make it any worse? My guess is the people who are problem gamblers they're they're already you know engaging in that behavior because there's other avenues they can do. I think this is an idea whose time has come, and candidly, I think it's one of the reasons that Bally's wanted the spot the uh, Fox Sports franchise because they want to turn it to internet gaming. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. You know, I, I was, of course, this week in the law enforcement front, there was the news that Officer Joseph Mensa, the Wauwatosa police officer, had decided to cut a deal, take a severance uh, agreement, and uh, people in Waukesha, Wauwatosa were going to be paying him about $125,000 and sending him in his way. As I said during the program yesterday, I, I thought this was, I, I feel bad for what happened to Officer Mensa. I think the the, the mob a small mob and some elected officials who decided to pander to certain elements of their constituency instead of looking out for the interests of Wauwatosa as a whole really put Officer Mensa in a position where he just it was a no-win situation. And as I've been arguing for a while, even though I don't think he did anything wrong and I don't think he deserved to be disciplined, I think at some point in time, sometimes you just you have to move on. It's it's best for the community, it's best for the department, and it's best for you. And I think that was the situation that fairly or unfairly Officer Mensa ended up finding himself in. But This has, again, generated a a lot of conversation about, you know, police departments. And and Officer Mensa was somebody who was, you know, really a part of the Wauwatosa community. And because he ended up in some very difficult situations and some unfortunate situations, he ended up getting targeted again by the mob. But it brings up this larger question of where are our police officers going to come from and how can they be more representative of the community and how do you get police officers to be willing to work in certain communities if if this is the way they're going to be treated when they get put into some of these very difficult positions that cops find themselves in. So I've been thinking about this, and I stumbled upon an interview that that John Norquist did a couple months ago. John Norquist is, of course, the the former mayor of the city of Milwaukee before Tom Barrett, and um, he, he ended up you know, elected a couple times, you know, left in the middle of one of his terms, and then Marvin Pratt became the acting mayor, and then Tom Barrett. And and Norquist is an interesting guy. We did not always see eye to eye on things, but, you know, Norquist is one of these big urban planners, and he's he's sort of visionary in his way. Now, that doesn't mean his visions are always, in my opinion, correct, but he, he is sort of visionary. And one of the questions that they were asking him in this interview was uh, about urban policing and i think the question was you know do you you know what what about you know milwaukee being one of the most segregated cities and um you know do you do you think that you know there there's a lot of racism that exists say on the police department and things like that and interestingly he said no that he just he said he he, he rejects you know that that idea. He says, look, I, I reject it. He said, you know, I, I think that um, th- there's all sorts of things that are positive and going on for Milwaukee. But one of the things that, that he did go back to hone in on is the fact that he thinks that since the residency rules were struck down, allowing 
police officers in, say, the city of Milwaukee to now live in the suburbs. He said he thinks that that has moved, that, that, that that's hurt the ability of the, the police department to, I, I guess, relate to the communities. All right, and I, I found, I've been thinking about this for a while, um, because if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I was a fan and I was a supporter of changing the residency rules. I, I thought it made more sense and it made it easier for you to retain quality police officers if you did not force them to live in, in the city. And, and now the numbers are clear. There's a lot of police officers who have used the freedom that they have to not have to live in the city to do exactly that. They've decided to move out. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, so here's the question. Should we re-examine the residency rules? If police officers were once again required to live in the city, would that make them more responsive to the various you know, communities? Would it make them more responsive to persons of, of color? Would it make them more, I don't know, sensitive? I mean, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, of course, the flip line side of this is if you were to roll back the, if you were to reinstate a residency rule and make it for all new police officers, etc., would that prevent you from hiring and retaining quality police officers. And I guess that's where I kind of come down on this. I, I think, first of all, I, I don't think just because you don't live in a community, that you're, you know, that that's not where you're paying your taxes directly, that that means you can't be responsive to that community. Most suburbs around here you know, have never had residency requirements. And so, as a matter of fact, in many of the suburbs, the police officers couldn't afford to live in the communities where they were, pla- where, where they were policing. Well, it, it didn't mean that they couldn't do a good job. It didn't mean that they weren't invested in the communities just because they don't live here. So I, I resent and I reject the idea that just because you live in Fox Point or just because you live in the city of Waukesha, for example, that doesn't mean you, you, you can't be a good Milwaukee police officer. I, I just, I, I don't believe that you know secondly i think you know if you look at for example the city of milwaukee even when you had the residency rule you had all the cops that lived on the northwest side so you know if if you're living on the northwest side and you're assigned to you know patrol a beat down on on, in, on the southwest side or the southeast side does that suddenly mean that um you're just because you're living there um you're you're automatically going to be more responsive and i don't I mean, I don't buy that idea either. Plus, I think moving forward, if we were to reinstate a residency rule, <clears throat> I firmly believe that you would have a lot of trouble trying to attract and retain police officers because there's a lot of police officers who I think have stuff to offer. They want to contribute. They want to be part of the urban policing experience. But for whatever reason, whether it's school systems whether it's safety concerns, whether it's family concerns, you know, you name it, they just they, they don't want to live in the city of Milwaukee. Maybe they again, they there's a family place out in Cedarburg, so they want to they grew up in Cedarburg, they want to keep living in Cedarburg, but they still have something to offer for the city of Milwaukee. Okay, 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. 
residency rules, if we reinstated them, would it be better? Would it make police more responsive? We discuss in just a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would communities be more responsible, and would policing be more responsive if officers had to live in their communities? Luke in Oconomowoc. Luke, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Um, I just, uh, I guess the the term that strikes me is in in the last segment you said something about the urban policing experience, um, which makes it seem like it's almost a bit of a, a game if you were to live outside of the community that you're living in or that you're policing, right? I mean, traditionally in the way that I've seen things, um, officers used to work a beat, right? They they knew the community that they were that they were a part of. Maybe if somebody had, you know, mental health issues, they knew they had a better sense of, of the overall vibe, you know, of the community. And I think they were able to have a better grasp on if something was wrong or or normal. And uh, if you're but, living but, outside but, but, of those but, communities. But, but why? <clears throat> now, let, me, let me ask you. But I mean, OK, so so why why does it necessarily follow that if you live in, I don't know, South Milwaukee, for the, for the sake of argument, and you've been assigned to a particular precinct for the last 20 years, why does the simple fact that you, you go home to South Milwaukee mean that you don't understand the, the, the precincts that you're, that you're the, the beat that you're, that you're walking? Well, I guess I don't mean, I don't think South Milwaukee is more the example that I'm thinking of. I mean, I'm from Oconomowoc, and I'm thinking about if I was, uh, if I was an officer going back to Oconomowoc, I'm surrounded by a majority of white people, and I yeah. go to work in South Milwaukee or closer into the city as part of this urban policing experience, as you said, I'm automatically, you know, surrounded by and presented with a complete mix of people who have different needs, who have different, you know, their day-to-day when they go home is much different than my day-to-day in Oconomowoc. You know, there's there's just certain things that happen that are different. And if I'm living in my community uh, after I get off of work, right, and take my uniform off, okay. I have a certain, you know, uh, I have a certain way that I expect things to be. And that's not how it is. That's why people don't live in the city versus in the suburbs and i don't know i just in my opinion i i think it creates a, a lazy type of policing or a well, standardized okay, type of policing okay well, well but look let, but let's talk about reality though for example but back when they had the residency rule the the vast the vast majority of police officers at least a large number of police officers lived on the extreme northwest side i mean it, it's not like they were were living in the central city. I mean, lots of now some did. I'm not saying nobody did, but I mean, you you had enclaves that were um, at the very kind of fringes of the city, which is where most of the cops lived. So there's the fact that you're living up by Dretzka Park, but still you're working in the in the the inner city. Does that mean that you somehow have some more you know um, understanding of the inner city when you're when you're living off at 92nd and Good Hope? I mean, it's it's not like people were ever living exactly in the communities where they worked well no and, and i think that that's part of what the problem is and i think that that's part of what these people who are voicing these you know the the mob or whatever all these people who are voicing these concerns that their that their communities aren't being policed fairly that that has probably been a cry that's been issued for a really long time and i mean whether they were during the residency rule in the northwest 
they maybe should have been directly from those communities that were being underserved or, um, you know, I'm sh- I don't know to answer your question about whether or not you're going to be able to hire, find, and retain quality police yeah. officers um, from those communities. I mean, I don't know how hard we've tried. I mean, we campaigned pretty mm-hmm. heavily in those communities for military service, but what about domestic service? And, I mean, I, that's just, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of how no. I see the issue. Well, no, no. Th- thanks for call, Luke. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, what is part of our WTMJ 2021, I had a chance to talk with with Al Morales, you know, the former police chief of the city of Milwaukee, and that's. You know, that that was one of the subjects that came up. If we agree with the basic premise that diversity is a good thing and you want to find um, you, you, you want to find police officers who look like the community that they are are policing. You know, the point that uh, former Chief Morales kept making, he said, look, here, here, here's the problem. First of all, especially in today's day and age, it's tough to find people who want to go into law enforcement. He said a lot of times the best and and the brightest. He said there's all sorts of other things that they can do that they can make more money and not have anywhere near the degree of hassle that you get when you're a police officer. I mean, I, I just, I, you know, when you watch some of these demonstrations and the stuff that was going on this summer, you know, can you imagine, you know, saying to an 18-year-old, to your 18-year-old son, hey, go into a career in law enforcement and then stand here and have people come up and scream at you and spit at you and things like that. So, I mean, it, it is an overall, an overarching challenge to try to figure out where cops are going to come from to begin with. And I guess my concern is, if you say arbitrarily you, you have to live in, in the city of Milwaukee for example, for what we're talking about I think it makes it just a lot tougher to attract people and then to retain them. So it's okay, maybe you start off with Milwaukee Police Department but then you decide, hey, I, it, was, it was great when I was uh, 23 years old and coming out of the police academy but now I'm 27 or I'm 28 I've gotten married, we've got our first kid on the way and <clears throat> I've got issues about schools and I've got uh, concerns about, you know, livability. And, gee, I, I'd like the flexibility to go move out to Waukesha or to move up to Ozaki County or just even move to some of the Milwaukee County suburbs. And so what happens is I think you have the police officers who then say, okay, well, if, if I can't, I, I'd love to stay with the MPD, but if I don't, uh, if I do stay and I have to live in the city of Milwaukee, I think what you saw a lot of people doing before is they just say, okay, well, we're going to leave. You know, We'll go try to find a job in Fox Point or Whitefish Bay or wherever it would be. 855-616-1620. Jeremy in Milwaukee. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I'm just going to make my point real quick. I'm on break and i got to get back to work, so I apologize. Okay. Um, when I, I think that having a residency rule would be okay, but with a student have a stipulation where they get like a stipend, a residency stipend, maybe to help them in, you know, to entice them to, uh-huh. to keep housing mm-hmm. inside the residency. Um, but as far, but I, all the points you bring up are are proper points. I got a couple friends that are police officers, and um, a lot of reasons why they left was, you know, they didn't want to deal with the hassles of some of the neighborhoods or whatever that they live in. So. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, see, and I, and I, again, I have no problem with what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I, they, they do that, I believe, to an extent now, where there's stipends. If you want to create 
a system where you try to incentivize living in the city. I, I'm, I'm, that, that's fine. I mean, if, if you want to say, you know what, if, if you agree to stay in the city, we're going to give you an extra 5000 bucks or, or whatever that number would be, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think that's a valid sort of thing, and then people can decide whether it's worth it or not. Jeff, if I'm a police officer who works in a rough community, first off, when I'm done working, I don't want to stay in that rough community. Also, is it safe for me as a police officer to live in an area with people who are drug dealers and have legal weapons just saying? Well, okay, and again, going back to the reality, the ways, for example, the city of Milwaukee used to work is when they had the residency rule, there were enclaves, um, certain parts of town where you had a disproportionate number of police officers who lived. So the the idea that, okay, just because you're living uh, by Dretzka Golf Course on the extreme northwest side of Milwaukee, that that somehow means if, if you're, again, you're a police officer on the near south side, that just because you, you live up by Dretzka means that you're automatically going to relate more to your south side um, neighborhood where you're working than you would if you lived in south Milwaukee. I, I just don't follow it. To me, it's not the geography that makes any difference. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. You're on WTMJ. Oh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I, I think the residency, residency rule should be brought back. I also agree with the last caller that there should be an incentive to stay in the city. But I think it's just like a corporation who does business in, in the state or, in, in let's say, in Milwaukee. We would love to have that, uh, the, basically the corporate headquarters to be in Milwaukee. Why? Because then they have more investment into the city. And, and, and instead of having that, cor- that, that corporation in Iowa, where they, they say, okay, well, we're going to spend most of our uh, uh, time dealing with uh, the, the things in, in Iowa, they will do it in Milwaukee. The fact is is that when, when I live on the northwest side, I moved out mm-hmm. here about 40 years ago, and, and, and we did have several police officers uh, that lived in my neighborhood. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the uh, police officers was, was my son's uh, Boy Scout leader. Okay. And so th- these are the type of things that help out a community. When when the police officers are here, they're invested. They're they're baseball coaches. They're uh, one of one of the uh, uh, police officers was was a basketball coach at uh, mm-hmm. St. Catharines, where my son went to school. But but so they take that that certain investment and they they take it out to the uh, suburbs. And so 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 what happens is we are we're, they come in here and and they don't have that investment. They come, do their job, and they leave. And they go out there and be the baseball coach, and 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 they go to the same churches and things of that sort. And so you there is a different attitude about the police officers than you have here, because when you just come in and police and then leave, then then how do we uh, change the community attitude about police officers? Well, you know, of course, at the same time, Vincent, most. Most communities around Wisconsin never had residency rules, and they didn't seem to have that concern. Is is Milwaukee different than most of the communities in the state? Do you think? Oh, certainly it is. One one of one of the things is the officers in Milwaukee were getting a lot more money than those out out uh, let's say in a suburb or or rural areas. Mm-hmm. That's one done one thing, and so you know I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, it, it's a it's a different it's a different situation in Milwaukee. It's a different attitude, and I think you need to be here in order to 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 to, to invest yourself in this in this community. And and and, and wouldn't, wouldn't you like a, a police officer to say, hey, come be your neighbor and say, hey, 
we're going to organize a little little cleanup group in the neighborhood, or we're going to come out and and, and basically uh, uh, we're going to basically be the be uh, the baseball coach. We're going to start a baseball team. What, you know what what the, the kind of influence that would have on this community would be fantastic. But if you why got an officer think, that's out in, 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 excuse me. No, let me. Why, why why do you think? So many police officers bailed as soon as the residency rules were, were eliminated. So why, why, why did so many people leave the city? Well, first of all, the fact is is that you know people are, are, are like to be homogeneous. They like to be around individuals who are, who are of like mind, who are like them, for one thing. First of all, this city is, 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 a, is, is a problem. We have we it it, it it's a problem. It, it, it's something that you have to invest in to say, hey, I'm going to try to change because it, it, we got problems here. And so yeah. a lot of them say, hey, I don't want to deal with those problems. I don't want to go. I don't want to. You know, basically, you don't have to send your kids to the school. You can. You know, we have open enrollment. You can send them anywhere. But the fact is, we don't want to be around this these these individuals. Oh, well, not the individuals, but these issues. No. So I think that's why they bail. And so okay, and so when, when no, I talk no, to the, uh, I'm sorry, I had to cut, we're kind of up against the clock. I, no, and I appreciate the I, I appreciate the thought that, that's out there. Um, I, I guess I, I I go back to though my my basic premise and that I that just because you you live in a particular community doesn't mean that you can't work in another community and still not do a good job. Now, is it is it desirable? For example, would it be a desirable situation to have, let, let's take a, a crime-plagued neighborhood in the city of Milwaukee. Would it be good to have, like, three police officers living on that block? Absolutely. I, I mean, of course. But, of course, that, that really wasn't the way it was even when you had residency rules. Like I say, everybody was living in a couple, like, enclaves that really didn't have a lot in common with necessary the areas where they were policing. I do go back, though, to the larger question, especially given how difficult it is to find and attract quality people to be police officers nowadays. And Lord knows we know why there would be those reasons. All right, if you were to reinstitute a residency rule, and I, I appreciate, I look, I get the idea. Let's give people an incentive. You want to say, hey, you want to live in the city of Milwaukee, we're going to give you an extra five grand for a housing allowance or to make up the difference in property taxes between where you'd be if you were paying you know out in the suburbs versus Milwaukee I, I understand that and I think those are the types of things that you, you could do to try to incentivize living in the city but if you were to reinstitute the residency rule if you think you have a problem trying to attract and retain quality police officers now I firmly believe that if you reinstitute the residency rule you, you don't know what problems are back with more in just a minute So very glad to have you with us. The recounts are are starting. And again, it's you have to understand that as somebody who's seen a number of statewide recounts go on over the course of the last couple of years, the, the, the recount itself is not going to change in anything. I mean, the, the statewide recounts, they, they, they might end up flipping 500 votes one way or the other. But as a general rule, if when you're looking at a margin of like 20 plus thousand votes, which was what the Wisconsin margin was, you're not going to find that many mistakes. So the numbers are going to be what the numbers are. What it appears is going on is some of the members of the Trump campaign, what they're trying to do is they're trying to not so much challenge the count, 
but rather seek to have large numbers of ballots thrown out. Um, for example, in, in Dane County, I mean, this is the way the Journal Sentinel is reporting it, uh, President Trump's campaign sought to throw out tens of thousands of ballots Friday in Dane County. Um, the argument was that Dane County should eliminate all in-person early votes. All in-person early votes. Okay, so for example, I didn't vote in Dane County, but I voted in person early. So if I had done that in Dane County, they'd be arguing you should throw out my vote. They try to, they argued that you should try to eliminate all mailed in absentee ballots if written applications for them could not be tracked down. They argued that you should try to eliminate all votes submitted by those who say they are indefinitely confined and all absentee ballots where the clerks wrote in the addresses of the witnesses. Okay, so the, the, the strategy appears to be without proving that any of these ballots were, were filed fraudulently, let's try to throw out tens of thousands of ballots because uh, of what we will argue would be a technical violation. Now, I say we would argue it because it's, it's very much up in the air. For example, the, the Elections Commission ha- has ruled that you know, for the during the pandemic, you could make the claim that you're indefinitely confined. Um, absentee ballots where the clerks wrote in the addresses of the witnesses, that's something that, you know, the the Elections Commission has, has allowed to go on. But I guess here, here's the thing that, that gets my attention about all this. I, I don't know that from the perspective of either political party, you want to be in a position where you are arguing that tens of thousands of otherwise valid votes should be thrown out based on what I think would the best case scenario would be technicalities. Now, hear me out on this. I mean, look, it, it's, it's one thing if you have tens of thousands of people who end up casting ballots who aren't entitled to cast ballots. They're they're non-existent people. you got people that are casting votes for dead people or things like that. I mean, true voter fraud. Obviously, if you have situations like that, it's, it's something that you want to look at, and you want to try to figure out ways to strike any sort of fraudulently cast ballots. But whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, is it good for democracy to find yourself in a position where you're arguing that, all right, we, we have tens of thousands of ballots that are cast, and we're going to try to find some sort of technicality with the process to argue that these otherwise valid ballots, and by otherwise valid, I mean, yep, Jeff Wagner and his wife, Jeff and Fran, they walk into the, the clerk's office, they present their IDs, they get the ballot, they vote in person, absentee, they put it in the envelope, and because you've got some argument with the overall way that the clerk's office was doing things or whatever, that you're going to take those ballots that are clearly otherwise you know, completely legitimate, and you're going to argue they shouldn't be counted. That's, again, not good for, for democracy. Now, if there are, again, an issue with the fraudulent nature of ballots, that, that's one thing. But before, it seems to me, and I will argue this, depending on, regardless of whether it's the Democrats or Republicans who are trying to advance these theories, it seems to me, if you've got evidence that, okay, we've got all these ballots that are cast, and, and they're cast by non-existent people, or it's clearly fraudulent, that's one thing. But I'm not sure anybody really wants to be on the side of trying to argue that otherwise legitimately cast ballots 
should be thrown out and tens of thousands of people disenfranchised. That's not a good position, I think, for any political party to be in, because if you make that argument in 2020, I guarantee you, if you win in 2022, you know, you're not going to be responding to that same argument from the other side. Just saying. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I, I actually I sent a link to this story that we were just talking about out. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. It, it is kind of a mind-boggling thing. Out in Dane County, the Trump campaign asked the board of canvassers to reject absentee ballots without an accompanying absentee application, including 69,000 absentee ballots cast in person. Okay, so like for example, the in-person voting, my my wife and I show up where we live in person the the first day that you were allowed to do that. We went in, we say we're here to vote absentee, and they check us off and they give us the ballot and then we fill that out. We didn't apply for it, didn't put in a specific request for the application, We, we, we showed up in person and did it. And apparently you've got the Trump campaign that was trying to have have 69,000 ballots in in Dane County thrown out. Now, that would have presumably applied. um, I don't live in Dane County, but if if this was going on in, in the county where I live, they would be throwing out my ballot. I mean, and again, it's look. You got to focus on examples of where there's real fraud, and if you have that, and you can prove there's fraud, you, you go for it. But if the strategy is going to be, we're going to try to see if we can figure out ways to just indiscriminately toss out tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of ballots, hoping we can disqualify enough ballots so we somehow get a margin for our guy to win, that's that's what you do in banana republics. I mean, seriously, and I'm, I'm thinking, all right, look, it's one thing to say we're trying to find fraudulent ballots. Another thing to say, okay, anybody that showed up and uh, voted in-person absentee, we're going to throw out their ballots. Uh, I think you really got to pick your battles. Okay, this I lump in the category of do as I say, not as I do. And I freely acknowledge that because if, if when I was a kid, when I was 16 years old, Driving my my fir- my first car, my parents let me drive it. it was a nineteen something or other Buick LeSabre. I, I always remember that. But I I remember I got my driver's license the day I turned sixteen, and I always remember that that feeling of freedom that you have when you know you're you're out there on the road and now you can go pretty much wherever you want. You know you've got the car. I remember how cool that was. And I, I also remember my parents had various rules, okay, don't don't drive it, you know, you're, you're limited as to where you can drive it, and don't speed and do all those different types of things. And, and I tried to be a good kid, tried to be a good son, but I'll be the first to tell you, well, maybe from time to time I didn't follow the rules as closely as I should have. Now, thankfully, never gotten into any accidents, never got speeding tickets, you know, never had problems. So <clears throat> it wasn't a deal where... You get home in the car, and your father is sitting there saying, "Oh, I, I hear that you know you were going seventy in a thirty-five mile an hour um, area. Um, we're going to have to have a conversation." So I, th- that never happened. And now I'm not saying that I, I necessarily I wasn't perfect, and, and maybe there was a time when I drove seventy in a thirty mile an hour radius, and it just never got caught doing that. And so I was lucky. 
Well, what if you couldn't do that anymore? Interesting story in the New York Times today. Uh, Here's the headline. An angel on the shoulder of your teenage driver, or at least a snitch. And here's the way it starts. Technological advances have made cars safer in many ways. There are systems that break if a collision is imminent. Isn't that the truth? Matter of fact, just as an aside, the... um, you know, you, you see all these advertisements on, on television for all the different, you know, automobile, all the different lawyers. You know, if you know if you're, you're involved in an automobile accident, call us, call this person. You know, all those different types of things. One of the really interesting things in the legal profession is going to be whether a lot of that litigation is going to go away because a lot of those things are automobile accidents. That that's. Not not exclusively, but a, a lot of the bread and butter for a lot of these plaintiffs' lawyers is, you know, it's 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 automobile accidents. And one of the really interesting things is with the new technology in these cars, with the the automatic brake systems, uh, the, the word is a lot of lawyers are already recognizing that this is going to at least not put people out of business, but it's going to reduce the number of of claims because it's going to reduce the number of accidents. You know, one of the most common automobile accident is the um, kind of, you know, rear end. You know, somebody stops short and you, you smash into them from behind. Well, with this new technology that's there, it's a lot harder to do it. I'm not saying you can't have automobile accidents, but um, that automatic braking system, I think, is going to change the dynamic of lawsuits as more and more cars get it. So, okay, then you've got also the new systems that, you know, warn the driver, take control of the car if it leaves the lane, issues alerts when pedestrians are about to step into the road you know we had a uh, when we were in florida a couple weeks ago the rental car had one of those things that that beeped at you to remind you to look in the back seat to make sure that there weren't kids there you know we had that that was part of it but here's what's really interesting um many vehicle manufacturers in addition to all that safety stuff they're now offering what they call driving monitors as either optional or standard equipment. You can get this on Lexus, Volkswagen, GM, Ford, Toyota, Kia, and Hyundai. Plus, there's also aftermarket devices. So what happens is these, this is, it's all part of, like the, the the system you know on your car. So maybe you've got that video screen, and the way it works is it comes with it, this setting. So what you can do is, is you can set it like in a teen driver mode. And long story short, without getting too deep into the weeds, you can set this up. So when your kid is driving the car, you can be plugged in. So you will get constant reports of how fast your 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 kid is driving the car. Um, how far your kid is driving the car. You can get reports of whether or not there was sudden accelerations or sudden braking or all these different things. Um, and, and you can simply you can check in on this so you can effectively monitor your child's driver's habit simply by going to what they call the teen driver section and you could you pick a pin number you do the setup and then you can monitor when the vehicle is driven with the key that you give to your your teenager our number 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line now on the one hand there is a big brother element to this that you know you're, you're driving the car and, you know, mom and dad or mom or dad are going to have the ability to get real-time information about how well you are driving. So there's a big brother aspect to it. At the same time, 
I would have hated this when I was 16. But you know what? I guess I look at it this and I say, all right, the technology is there. We know that when you look at the, the rate of automobile accidents, the greatest number, the biggest problem you have out on the roads is with the very young drivers and the very old drivers. 2018, um, they estimate that over 2,000 people were uh, were killed in accidents involving a driver 15 to 18 years old. So, you know, this is a way of monitoring how well your kids are driving. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you do this? Would you monitor your kids driving and if this technology exists would you be taking advantage of it or is this just too big brother too much of an indicator that you don't trust the kids for me i I tell you as long i guess my attitude would be if it's my car and it's my insurance and the kid is living at my house and he wants to drive that car i i think whether it's a good kid bad kid understanding that for new drivers you want to do everything you can to make sure that they're driving in a safe fashion yeah i'd, I'd want to know 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line we discuss in a moment this is jeff wagner 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line here's an interesting text to start off the conversation jeff absolutely not I would not track my children. I gave a 17, and I have a 17-year-old and a 21-year-old sons. Uh, Just like I don't have a tracker on their phone, I wouldn't track their driving habits. At some point in time, you have to trust and give them independence. Hmm. 855-616-1620. Jeff, heck yeah, I'd love this. My now 23-year-old had a very heavy foot that gave us some very heavy insurance rates. I still have a GPS on our daughter's car. Okay, 855-616-1620. Is this a, a lack of trust, or is it just, hey, we, we recognize, especially for young drivers, we recognize that they, but while they're getting experience, there's a potential risk. That's just the truth of the matter. And if you're driving mom and dad's car, and mom and dad are paying for the insurance and all the other stuff, yeah, do mom and dad have an interest in knowing how you're driving? Let's start with Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm okay Hi, with it. Um, the, only, the only thing I have a concern with maybe is if insurance companies would want to pull that information from your vehicle to see how your children are driving and then readjust your rates accordingly. That might be a little bit disconcerting for me. Um, I'm a trucker, and everything I do from using my <laughs> yeah. directional to I mean, yep. everything I do is pretty much monitored, and, and it's not too too big of a deal. But it's not as black and white. Uh, like if you drive on some of these local roads, like A94, for example, and you travel more than 60 miles an hour, it's considered speeding in your vehicle. Now, the average person driving on that stretch of uh, interstate usually right. travels between 60 and 64, 65 miles an hour. So when you go below that, you kind of become an impediment on traffic flow. So you find right. yourself having to accelerate so you don't have people driving around you. And harsh events, like when you hit your brakes, uh, it doesn't really give the full story, you know, that the person right. cuts you off. Now, we do have a camera system in our car or in our truck. Right. So that'll automatically kicks on, starts recording if I have a, a harsh event. And it'll, like, record 20 seconds prior and 20 seconds after the, the event. Right. And most people well, probably won't have that in their cars. 
Well, right. And, and again, and of course, as a CDL driver, it's a sort of different thing. And, but from a perspective of a parent, I guess if, if all of a sudden my, my kid blew through some stop sign and had to slam on the brakes to narrowly avoid a crash, I'd like to know about that. And it's, it's, kind of, it's all depending yeah. on what it's all what you do with that information. Now, to your point about when you start off about the insurance companies, my understanding is mm-hmm. there's a lot of insurance companies that will actually give you discounts on your rates if you put stuff like that in. So, you know, you can, again, try to use it proactively to, to s- discourage the kid from blowing through the red lights or whatever. Yeah, and that's really the primary thing that's driving the industry when it comes to trucking, one, for liabilities, for lawsuits and things like that. And, and secondly, it does lower the rates for insurance companies for the carriers to have these, these systems in place right. on the trucks because it just holds everybody more accountable of how they drive. And right. it, 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 overall, it does damper a lot of incidents. Drivers a little bit more conscious on what they're doing behind the wheel. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. No, and, and again, it, it, it makes sense. And if this is now, of course, you know what we're talking about here is this isn't this is something that parents are deciding to do. You know, you you get the you it, it's associated with a particular key for the car. A couple of people are texting me saying, "Hey, do you think something like that would work with my spouse?" Well, it wouldn't work with my spouse, but I, I you know, but <laughs> I think it could set up with anything. I mean, the way I understand this is the 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 teen driver thing is related to the to a particular key so if you're uh, again if you're the if you've got the the key fob that says that that it's associated with the teen driver well then then that's going to be you gianni in montello you're on wtmj good afternoon hey good afternoon jeff uh maybe last day of uh fall huh Uh, this is this is this is is a a great topic i have no problem um having this installed or or, or when if i buy a new car to have uh my my children monitored um we have far too many deaths on american highways as it is um absolutely it's it's the it's the responsibility of the parent when they give their car keys to the child that they, they they absolutely assured that they're not a liability or a hazard and are going to kill someone on uh, our Wisconsin highways. So any any means of control, whether it's um, electronic or, or braking or um, speeding, um, that should all be known to the parent. I mean, you know, we, we have people complaining that parents aren't Looking after their children. Well, this is a this is a this is a, an option that they they can control their children's driving so they don't kill kill anybody. Yeah, Johnny. Thanks for the call. Well, it's also right, and it's again, it's a voluntary sort of thing that's there. Here's a text, Jeff. The first car I bought after getting my license was a 1969 Firebird with a board 350 and a slap shift kit. The only ticket I ever received was for loud exhaust. If my parents had had that monitor that you're talking about, though, back then, I'd still be waiting for my dad to give me my license back. I probably wouldn't be able to sit in the bucket seat yet either. That's the, uh, yeah, and, and that, look, and again, that's why I led this topic off by saying, it, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Because when I was 16 years old, and even though I didn't have a 1969 Firebird at the time, uh, I, I just, would I have liked my father to have been allowed to just kind of like pull stuff up on the internet and see you know oh you you were you know you you accelerated too fast at this particular point in time would i would i have wanted that sort of scrutiny no but it's a different time it's different technology it's there and um, i think more and more people are going to be taking advantage of it back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner
Melissa Barkley and WTMJ teaming up for the Hunger Task Force to help make a difference for families in need this holiday season. You know the drill by now. Matter of fact, it, it, our, our, our turkey promotion is, is kind of winding down. I think, well, I think Tuesday is the last day for us. Uh, your favorite WTMJ shows competing to see who can help donate the most Thanksgiving turkeys to families in need. It's WTMJ Cares. Pass the turkey. Go to our website, WTMJ.com, to donate, and you can scroll down. You can see the various shows. It has been sort of an interesting thing. Matter of fact, I was mentioning this earlier. Somebody called the station today. Um, guy, I, 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 we go back 40 years. Uh, former law enforcement officer worked with me back when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, and he called up and said <clears throat> his group was going to donate, um, I, I think, um, uh, $1,500 worth of, of turkeys. And we're, we're going to give credit to your show. And I think that that's just so absolutely, that's tremendous. This has just been a wonderful promotion. And so if you haven't donated, we would very much encourage you to do that. And again, you, you can pick the show if you want to pick mine. That's absolutely outstanding. Uh, go to WTMJ.com and you can scroll down and you can make the turkey donation. But the bottom line is um, we're trying to help out families in need through the Hunger Task Force this Thanksgiving. Okay, we are reaching that point in the week where we put aside the heavy lifting. We stop arguing about the elections. We stop arguing about all the things that divide us, and we have a little fun. Pop Culture Corner is coming up. It is a holiday sort of themed one today. We will discuss. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. All right. This is going to be a Thanksgiving like none other. Traditionally on Thanksgiving, it's one of the busiest travel times of the year. You've got college kids that are coming back. You've got people that are coming home. Um, you've got people that are getting together from all over. Well, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case this Thanksgiving. Health officials are saying don't travel. In Madison, they're saying don't even socialize. Don't even think about having a Thanksgiving dinner with your family. Um, nobody outside your own household. And, and some people are going to pay attention to that, and some people aren't. But there's no question that um, we're, we're, we're going to be at home, I think, this Thanksgiving more so than we, we've been in the past. And what that means is, you know, when you're at home, you've got to kill some time. So it's you, you know, your spouse, you've got the kids, and you're trying to figure out something that we can do as a family together. Now, my wife and I go through this from time to time because we try to find movies that we can watch together. The problem is she's a Hallmark girl. And um, I'm not, <laughs> you know, and, and she'll watch stuff and uh, she'll come in and she'll try to watch stuff with me and she'll say, boy, that's just way too violent or, or whatever. And I'll try to watch the Hallmark stuff. And, and honestly, you know, after about 15 minutes in, it's kind of like just mind numbing. And so we're always trying to wrestle with something that, you know, we can watch as a family. We uh, the, the new season on Netflix of The Crown, you know, dropped last week. And I, I've watched all four when it first came out. We sat and tried to watch it, and then about halfway through the first show, my wife said, it's just too slow for me. I, I don't know if it's the British stuff or whatever. It's just too slow. So this year, when the new season came out, we were going to try to watch this together as, as, a, as a couple, and she made it about 15 minutes into the first episode and said, I'm sorry, it's just too slow. I can't, I can't do this. So we're always wrestling with the thing that you can watch as a family. Well, given you've got Thanksgiving coming up, given that we've got the holidays coming up, I thought for Pop Culture Corner 
this week, we'd go back to kind of the roots when we, we used to do this when we started 20 plus years ago. The holidays are coming up, which means we spend time with our families. And this year, more than ever, we're going to probably be spending time inside with our most immediate family, which means we're going to be looking for ways to entertain ourselves. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's the Pop Culture Corner topic for today. If you are going to sit down and watch a movie with your family, what would be the top family movie and again it's not necessarily it it doesn't have to be some you know g-rated type of show it doesn't have to be gee i I love the sound of music although by the way i do love the sound of music i think that's a, a great thing but a family movie for the holidays 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your top family movie or movie to watch with the family. And it can be a comedy. It can be a drama. It can be a musical. You name it. But that one that, you know, it's Thanksgiving. It's the weekend after Thanksgiving. We can't go out and about. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit and watch this. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I always say, a couple tips to these segments. Our phone lines do tend to jam up, so call early. In addition, uh, don't overthink it. Sometimes people say, oh, the first movie that came to mind was blah de blah and then but I, I don't know that I necessarily want to say that. Go go with your first instinct. That's normally the best. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Family movies, the all-time best for people to watch at the holidays. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to take your calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. Okay, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Thanksgiving is coming up Thursday. It's the start of the holiday season. This holiday season, perhaps more than ever, we're, we're going to be at home with our immediate family. That means looking for ways to entertain ourselves. We're talking about holiday movies, the all-time favorite family movie. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike in Kenosha. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, it's not a movie, and it's only a half hour long, but what's going wrong with Charlie Brown Thanksgiving? Yeah, the, well, you know, the, those Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown Christmas, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, they were just, they were even the Halloween one, it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, they were just classics, just absolute classics. Any Gen Xer or Baby Boomer I know still loves it, and, you know, I think that's something that a uh, any couple can agree on. Yep. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's another one of those that just kind of makes you you feel good. 855-616-1620, and you can watch it with the entire family. And by the way, like I say, we're going to get to a couple of the texts as well. That doesn't mean that it has to be, uh, again, some some G-rated movie. I mean, there's there's things you can watch with the family that um, are are great family sort of movies, and, and maybe there's some drama. Maybe there's some suspense to it. Bob in Germantown. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, Hi, I'm going to say, for us, it's always been planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> With the late John Candy, absolutely, and Steve Martin. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah the, uh, Some of the scenes in there, you, you just can't forget them, and it, it's a I, lot of laughs. No, th- you know, thanks for I, I 
I, I appreciate it. So I, I love planes, trains, and automobiles. That <clears throat> might be the best Thanksgiving movie around. Of course, it's set around Thanksgiving, and it's just it's laugh out loud funny. But the last twenty minutes of it are, are very poignant as well. So it's kind of got a message to it. I, I remember. I mean, it's one of those things. If you've ever traveled for a living. Uh, it's sometimes it's almost impossible to watch it because you can relate too much to the the thing. If you've ever been <clears throat> had your airplane canceled or you know had, had the train stop or whatever, but planes, trains, and automobiles an absolutely outstanding movie. It's going to be on a lot. My guess would be over the course of the next few days because it is centered around Thanksgiving. That's another one of the movies that I, I highly recommend. If you get a chance to watch it, watch it in the uncut version because it's not that it's a particularly blue movie but there are there's a couple scenes in there that when they show it on broadcast television they have to edit it for language and um it, it just it loses a little bit of the great scenes but planes trains and automobiles an absolutely tremendous movie let's talk to mike in appleton mike you're on wtmj hey jeff how are you i'm well thank you sir okay best holiday best so, family movie so at some point after the turkey we always seem to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> With uh, Chevy Chase and uh, <clears throat> Randy Quaid, right, who plays Cousin Eddie. Yes, and it's just from beginning to end, it's a of laughs. So, yeah. no, thanks for going. No, well, thank, and again, that, that's another one. Just like planes, trains, and automobiles, Christmas Vacation, and I, I, I think my favorite is the original Vacation movie, and then Christmas Vacation, and the other two, the Las Vegas one, and the European Vacation, they, I, I didn't think they were anywhere near as good. But the, the thing about the Christmas Vacation is just like we were talking about with planes, trains, and automobiles, it, it's, it's funny, but you've also, there, there's a, there's a, and it's funny, and it's silly, but there's there's kind of a, a message to it as as well. So you kind of watch it at the end, and and it's just it's got it, it's one of these things that kind of makes you feel good as well. And I, I think it's just an absolutely outstanding movie. Uh, the guy that plays you know cousin Eddie, Randy Quaid, he's he's kind of. He's sort of fallen on, on really sort of hard times. Life hasn't worked out very well for him, but he's great in that role. Vicki in West Bend. Vicki, you're on WTMJ. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Hi, Vicki. Nobody can go wrong with It's a Wonderful Life, especially oh, for this year. <laughs> it does, it does, it does give you a perspective. It, yep, it does. It does Thanks, give yeah. us hope. Yeah, thanks for the call. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is, is a classic. You know, uh, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. And, you know, it, I, I was always worried, you know, a number of years ago, I was afraid that that movie was going to get overexposed because for a while it had fallen into what they call the public domain. So TV shows could show, TV stations could show it for free without having to pay for it. Now that that's changed a little bit, but it seemed to me you know, like almost every day it was on somewhere. But, you know, that's one of these movies that I don't think has ever lost the timeliness uh, of that. And interestingly, you know, It's a Wonderful Life didn't necessarily do that well when it first came out, but it certainly found an audience later on. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Best family movies. Let's go. Uh, we're being swamped with texts here. On Golden Pond. Yeah, with uh, Jane Fonda and Henry Fonda. Uh, I wasn't... Uh, 
I'm not a huge fan of Jane Fonda, and I'm not a huge fan of Henry Fonda. Catherine Hepburn was in that as well. But um, that Ungold Pond was such a good movie to watch because you could tell that even though Jane Fonda and Henry Fonda were playing characters, there was a lot of personal stuff that was going on. Um, Jeff, um, let's see. Uncle Buck, another John Candy movie. Jeff, Father of the Bride is a great Steve uh, Martin movie as well. A Dog's Purpose. You know... Yeah, I, there, there's a couple of those movies that are out there now that the dog's purpose and stuff, and um, they're you know it, it, as somebody who's just a real dog lover, it some of those are kind of hard to watch because sometimes you know what happens is the dogs end up dying in the end and things like that, and it's kind of tough to watch. Jeff, uh, best holiday movie ever. It is obviously Home Alone. Well, you've got that going there. I saw something on TV the other day. You can apparently now. Uh, rent the if you want to like stay overnight at the home alone house you can do it jeff uh, the bishop's wife or scrooged jeff family movies men in black um yeah you've got that going there uh jeff it's an oldie it's in disney plus flight of the navigator number of people are saying uh, planes trains and automobiles the ghost and mr chicken with don knots um yeah you've got that there jeff uh, since lockdown we've been working on the marvel movies in chronological order next up is spider-man homecoming jeff best family movie it's a wonderful life another it's a wonderful life home alone planes trains and automobiles a lot of people love that one uh, interestingly jeff every holiday season our family watches the lord of the rings trilogy and that kind of interesting that you take the time to watch the lord of the rings trilogy now you wouldn't necessarily think of that as being this great family sort of movie but <clears throat> at the same time it's a compelling story um it's something that uh you you you've got good you've got evil um, and, you know, you've got some great acting and all. I think they did a tremendous job when they put that together. Uh, Jeff, Elf, no question about it. Best uh, family movie ever. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Um, Jeff, uh, Harry, um, Harry Potter. Uh, you, you know, that's... You know, that's kind of an interesting thing as well. You know, when you look at, like, if you're looking at, at family movies and stuff, and again, it, it's not, I think those the, the Harry Potter movies were very, very well made. I was a big fan of the Harry Potter series because it got people reading, and I thought that was a great thing to do. But, you know, the, the movies, I think, are all very, very well done. Uh, there's something in there clearly for the kids, but there's also stuff that I think can capture the attention of adults as well. Jeff, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Great family movie. Of course, if we're talking about family movies, it's got to be a Christmas story. Yeah, you will uh, shoot your eyes out. Be careful. Goonies. Check out the Goonies. Um, A couple other people saying on Golden Pond, the Wilderness Family. That's clearly one. You know, I mentioned it kind of as as a toss-off, but I I love the sound of music. I, I mean, I remember... It seemed to me that they would show that almost every Thanksgiving evening. You know, when I was a kid, they'd show the sound of music. I used to love the sound of music. So that one worked out very well as well. You just never got tired of, you know, watching that at all. Uh, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. couple others. Uh, oh, Jeff, it's a mad, 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 mad world. That's, of course, with 
every comedian from the 1950s and early 60s that you could possibly imagine that would be presented as well. So there's all sorts of great stuff that's out there and a couple other people talking about some of the Don Knotts movies that he made after he left the uh, Andy Griffith show in the mid-1960s. All those are good. Bottom line of this is what you want to try to do, I, I think, especially this holiday season as much as any, is try to sit down and focus on things that you can kind of do as a family. There's a lot of great choices that are out there. That's one of the super things about, you know, the streaming services that that you have nowadays where we're not dependent anymore on, you know, what is the network going to show you at at 8 o'clock at night and you really don't have a choice of it. You know, you've got a lot of flexibility. I know um, White Christmas is another one. White Christmas is one of my very, very favorite Christmas movies, but I'd lump that in as a holiday um, movie as well. You've got a couple other great ones if you want to go back a little bit further. The Bells of St. Mary's, just another tremendous sort of uh, movie that's there. All these great kind of feel-good things and things that you can end up doing, again, with the the family. And it's not to say that you can't have some fun when you're watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy or stuff like that. Those are outstanding as well. So whether it's Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or something else that's out there, planes, trains, and automobiles, for example, bottom line is however you decide that you're going to spend your Thanksgiving, have a little bit of fun doing that. Find something that you can sit down with as an entire family, watch it, enjoy it, and just kind of forget about all the stuff that's been going on in the world over the course of the last year or so. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around. Thanks for participating in Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Tune in next week as Jeff Wagner explores another pop culture topic.